There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in 10 and branch microfiber. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Everyone and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, a 27-year veteran of the NYPD. And with me tonight is one of my compadres, also a retired sergeant from the NYPD, professor, retired sergeant, uh, a professor at Albertus Magnus College in New Haven, Connecticut. Let's give a warm welcome to Mike Geary. How are you doing tonight, Mike? Hey, Billy. Doing well. Thank you for having me. Well, it's always a pleasure. You're a fan favorite, you know, and uh, I can't have them love you more than me, but that's okay if they do. <laughs> anyway, Mike, you know, we were all really, I think, upset this week. And it's uh, it was actually Friday, March 3rd, when four Americans uh, went into, uh, there, there's a picture of them on the screen right there. They, they went into a place called Matamoros, Mexico. Now, the State Department has levels in visiting countries. Matamoros, Mexico is level four. Simply do not go there because of violence and kidnapping. Dangerous, dangerous place. I guess whatever happened, these poor folks didn't get that memo. They went in there. The, the names of them are Zindel Brown, who was lost his life. Latavia Washington McGee. Uh, Shahid Woodard also lost his life. And Eric James Williams, who was shot twice in one leg and once in the other. And this was by a Mexican drug cartel who apparently mistook them. This is the excuse they gave. Right. They mistook them for Haitian drug dealers or Haitian traffickers. But they simply shot first and asked questions later. And then when they realized the mistakes they had made, they tried to cover it up. But there's actually video, on-scene video, of them kidnapping these four Americans who are actually from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. But they entered uh, from Brownsville, Texas. That's where they entered Mexico. Probably one of the most dangerous places on the border of Mexico and, uh, and Texas is Matamoros, and the other, the city is called Tamaulipas, Tamaulipas, I think I'm pronouncing it semi-correctly. But again, a Category 4 place, do not go there. Do not go there. So as, as a result of them going in, and the, the reason they were going to Latavia Washington McGee was looking to have some kind of a cheap surgery there, unknown what it was, but some people go to foreign countries to have specific cosmetic surgeries performed because it's much cheaper. But by doing that, you are risking your life and limb, and not just by the cartels, but by the surgeons, because you don't know what you're going to get in a foreign country. You don't know if they know what they're doing as far as being licensed doctors. You don't know how, if you're going to get an infection, whether they're using the necessary protocols. So probably not a good idea either to do that. So that's the reason they were going into this uh, part of Mexico. 
and apparently they were all closest of friends, and they come from uh, down near Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Mike? Yeah, the sad part is that, you know, you've got these four Americans, and they're not looking to do anything more than take care of a medical procedure for the young lady. Um, and unfortunately, how they got mistaken for uh, Haitian, you know, uh, drug dealers when they're when they probably have their own one of them has their own car probably registered in South Carolina and they're coming across the border um, with thousands of other cars. I'm not sure how many, you know, at that checkpoint, there's, there's various checkpoints, but um, you, how they were mistaken, what was the actual um, uh, thing that triggered uh, their, their suspicion that they might be Haitian drug dealers other than they were coming across the border uh, is, you know, we're not, we're not sure yet. We don't really know. But uh, the sad part is that uh, we do, there is a, uh, that homegrown um, medical services, cheap medical services provided for Americans over many years going into Mexico specifically, and like you said, other places too. But um, Mexico has been a country that has been on uh, the State Department's you know, warning list for a decade now. And I, even if you go to the Yucatan Peninsula or you go to like the Baja Peninsula or something like that, where you're, there's nice resorts, you still have to pass through checkpoints. You still have to pass through uh, airports and get there by, by cab. And so any American who goes to Mexico is seriously taking their life in, this, in their hands. And if they have any doubt before this, you know now you don't go to Mexico. Go someplace else. Because this, you, you know, Mike, I wouldn't even feel um, confident about going to a resort there now. Yeah. It is so dangerous there now. Like, right. it doesn't give me, make me feel safe when I see in the resort a guy with a machine gun. That doesn't make me feel good. No, no, no. he's carrying that machine gun because he needs that machine. Gun. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, right. why? What's the reason he's right. carrying a machine yeah. gun? That's what gets to me. No, no, I don't want to be laying down drinking a pina colada uh, on the beach with a guy in army fatigues. Not one guy, numerous guys carrying machine guns. There's a reason, as you said, that they're carrying that machine gun, and yeah. the, inevitably something real, real bad can happen. Right, and you got to go through. I mean, you're not going to be landing right at that uh, resort. You have to go through customs. You got to go through the airport. You might have to take an Uber. There's so many uh, areas where you are vulnerable uh, just traversing the country to get from, say, an airport to the resort. Uh, you're really putting your life in your hands, and anyone who does goes there, um, you know, beware. You are treading on territory that American law, American custom, uh, you know, support systems for strangers does not apply. And as an American, you are absolutely targeted for um, for victimization. It's 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 really bad. You know, Mike. It's it's also like what. What are, who's going to protect you? Even after the fact right now, who's going to make these families whole right. that lost their loved ones through going to Mexico? Is the Mexican government going to pay these families millions of dollars because they, 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 lost, they lost their loved ones in this country? Or are they just going to say, sorry, we're sorry? You know, yeah, I want to play a little bit of this, Mike, and then we'll, we'll get back to it to stop the drug cartels in Mexico. Both Republicans and Democrats are demanding action following the deaths of two Americans there. Bill Malugin has their outrage. 
Two Americans kidnapped in Mexico are now back in the U.S., recovering in a hospital here in Texas. The FBI is working with Mexican authorities to recover the bodies of two others who were killed in the cartel attack. And we're learning more about their ordeal. One of the two surviving Americans was shot in the leg. They were moved around to multiple locations, including a health clinic, to throw authorities off the trail before eventually being found in a wooden shack. It appears it was all a confusion. There was no ransom. We don't have an exact given number of suspects. These will be determined by the investigation. The man guarding that shack is now behind bars, and Mexican authorities say more arrests will be coming. But with the power of cartels growing on both sides of the border, it's not clear if those ultimately responsible for the murders and kidnappings will face justice. They have too much influence in Mexico. Now they're starting to have influence in the United States. And these people that were down there, you know, they paid the price. Meanwhile, Attorney General Merrick Garland says he is outraged by the incident and claims there will be consequences, with pressure building on the administration to take a harder stance against the cartels. This event's really going to start changing how, how, how things happen with the cartels. Uh, 21 state uh, attorney generals have already uh, requested that, that they be uh, labeled a terrorist organization. And as a result of this deadly attack, some lawmakers on Capitol Hill are now calling for the U.S. to use military force against these drug cartels. Reporting in Brownsville, Texas, Bill Malugin, Fox 32, Chicago. You know, Mike, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it that they're going to, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Do you know that last year, 200 Americans died in Mexico? Get this. And this was in the New York Times. And this is how the New York Times wrote it. 200 Americans died in Mexico, only 75 by homicide. They actually wrote that. Only, only. 75. Like, oh, I don't know 75. the details of those 75 Americans murdered in Mexico, but I think that number's way, way too high. What do you think? Um, that's it's unacceptably high. It is unacceptably high. And to use the word, uh, the preface only. Could you imagine in the NYPD you worked homicide in Manhattan North, uh, and you said maybe at a CompStat meeting, well, we only had about 450 people died this year because last year we had 650, so only 450 died this year. That would you'd be you know taken out of the room. That's ridiculous. Um, and that's shocking and shameful that the uh, Times would be so cavalier with Americans' attitudes. Uh, one is way too many. And unfortunately, as we know, and, and we've talked about it, uh, this sort of thing has been going on for a number of years. And unfortunately, people still make that journey into Mexico. And um, we need a firmer policy. The, and the idea that oh, only, only is a shocking way to talk about Americans' lives. Uh, being lost over uh, across the border. Mike, look at this now. This is this is the drug cartels that and the specific areas they're in in Mexico. You have the Arellano Felix organization, Cartel Pacifico Sur, Los Zetas, Sinaloa Federation, Carillo Fuentes organization, Gulf Cartel, La Familia Michoacana, Edgar Valdez Villarreal faction, and then there's disputed territory. Supposedly the most powerful cartel that's not listed on this map is the Jalisco Nuevo Generacion and the Sinaloa cartel. They're the two most powerful. Now, obviously, we have the DEA and we have uh, the ATF, and uh, they know about these cartels. They've been working cases on these cartels for years. 
Mm-hmm. The politics of this are necessary to get involved because or else you're handcuffing all law enforcement agencies. Because if the government, let's, let's, let me put it this way. The drug trade, fentanyl, human trafficking is bringing billions and billions of dollars into Mexico. Might the government be involved in this too? Yes, we know. We know from the Kiko Cameron uh, incident, and back in 1985, uh, members, high-level members of the uh, Mexican government, were working hand in hand with uh, the cartel that that kidnapped and, and tortured and killed him. Um, and and uh, we've had we had arrests on both sides of the borders, and people went to prison. But uh, it, di- it didn't make a dent in anybody's operation. There's way too much money. And there, and it's a, and obviously it's a corrupting influence in our country, let alone in Mexico. Uh, you know, we can expect this. Millions of dollars are going into Mexican coffers. You know, it's going to find its way into both the cartel and into uh, politicians. They're not going to do anything because they're bought and paid for. You know, Mike, it's it's not uh, just to correct you. It's not millions. It's billions, billions with billions, a B. Yes, it's billions, billions. and. With billions means the government's involved in this. Mm-hmm. So when you hear our politicians saying we need the military in there, I don't know if they're really serious because to do that you have to have the cooperation right. of the Mexican right. government. And they the get thing to is, say it without without the consequences of having to vote for it because they know it's not going to happen. But they get to say it for uh, political purposes here in like re-election time. Well, I would like to say also that this is a national security problem for the United States. A, the fentanyl problem, B, the human trafficking problem, and just the regular, regular drug smuggling problem that is addicting millions of Americans. So when will our politicians grow a pair and really start doing something? But to to organize this and get our military involved, because, look, the, the Mexican cartels, they use special forces military to defend their turf. So these aren't like guys from picking, uh, you know, sugar cane and you hand them an AK-47. These are trained killers that work for these cartels and they're trained soldiers. So the only way to take them on is the American military. But to do that, we need the Mexican government on board or else this could be viewed as an invasion. And like uh, we need a war articles and all that stuff. It's very, it's very, very complicated. I don't right. mean to simplify it, but when is enough enough? When is enough just having your borders poured through with illegals coming into your country? When is the fentanyl just pouring across into our country? When is that going to be enough? And when is the violence at the border and in Mexico that are endangering American citizens? When is that going to stop? Well, Billy, you got uh, California, New Mexico, you've got uh, Arizona, you've got Texas are the most foremost vulnerable states right along the top of the northern Mexican border. And the governors are handcuffed. Uh, We've seen governors that want to call out their own National Guard to protect their borders, you know, within the uh, confines of their own um, of their own state. And they've been told not to because what will happen is their troops will be federalized by the national government and told to stand down. Uh, you've got uh, places like Arizona where they started building a wall out of shipping containers. And uh, and because they were encroaching on federal land, uh, the Biden administration uh, forced them to take down their uh, their container wall. 
um, the federal government is not willing to uh, build a wall. We're not willing to come up with a real comprehensive overhaul of our um, immigration system that hasn't had an overhaul since I think the days of uh, President John F. Kennedy. Uh, it's it's a na it's a national crisis, and only our own government, national government, can do it, something about it at all. The individual state governments can't do it because they they're they're controlled in, to some extent by the policies of the federal government. Perhaps in the next two years with a new election coming up for, for uh, president, but this is going to be here for a while longer. It's not going to stop anytime soon. Let's listen to what this congressman says on the floor of Congress. To address the House for one minute and to revise and extend my remarks. Without objection, the gentleman is recognized for one minute. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Over the weekend, I had the chance to visit the southern border for the very first time. It was truly educational. I want to thank the people of Southeast Texas who showed me the true impact of what it means to have an open border. President Biden and his administration officials continue to tell the American people that the border is secure. Tell that to the families of two Americans who were killed this week by a Mexican cartel. Tell that to the record number of parents who've lost kids to fentanyl that was brought over the border. Tell that to the countless public officials we met on that trip who are pleading with us to say that they are just overloaded, their facilities, their overcapacity, they need help. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I've been to the border. And tonight, I'm here to tell you that it is not secure. Mr. Speaker, you know that it's not just a Texas problem, it's America's problem. We need to secure the border. Our national security depends on it. Mr. Speaker, I yield back. Amazing, right? So the politicians are calling for it. And I just want to say, this isn't a, a Republican or a Democrat problem. This is an American problem, all right? And I think... One of the main responsibilities of government is to protect its people. And our government is not doing that. When they allow this to happen, they are abdicating, abdicating their responsibilities as elected officials, as members of Congress, as members of the Senate. And they should be removed. If they don't do something about it, this is horrific. And when you hear people saying, oh, the border is secure, that guy, Mayorkas, that guy is horrific. Uh, the guy who is in charge of... Uh, Homeland Security. I mean, I've never seen <clears throat> a worse bureaucrat in my life than that guy. You know, Billy, uh, there's been talk that uh, of impeachment for Mr. Mayorkas. Um, and the sad part is before he became, uh, you know, head of the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, of, uh, his, his, what's his proper title? Uh, I was going to say customs. He's not customs. Uh, um, Homeland Security. Homeland Security. I'm sorry, Homeland Security. Um, he was actually a, U a U.S. attorney. Uh, you know, so he knows what the deal is, but unfortunately, he's taking his marching orders from, from Washington, D.C., and you just kind of wonder what's the ultimate game. You know, politicians and anyone else, they play a short game, a medium game, and a long game. What's the long game? Is it 20 years from now? They want, they want to have a different electorate. They want a different population in the United States. What, what, why would we allow 
uh, the border to be wide open, doors wide open. No one's being pushed back across the border. It, we're, we're not stopping them with a wall. We refuse to build a wall. There's a there's a short game, medium game, and a long game. And you just like to know what the uh, long game is. But whatever it is, it's not our security. The primary duty, if they don't do anything else, our government is supposed to protect us from invasion, you know, insurrection, you know, that sort of thing. The, the one duty that, that we want above anything else is to be secure. And we, we don't get it. And and we get double talk from people who swear that the border is secure when they watching videos of every night of people, you know, hundreds of people running across the border. Um, and that's and that's sad. And but in democracy, we get what we deserve. And this is what we voted for and if you if you voted for the this you got it and um hopefully in two years we'll vote differently you know this is allegedly a letter it's on the screen folks a gulf cartel apology letter and out of the five cartels that i mentioned the jalisco nuevo generacion sinaloa losetas gulf and juarez cartel somehow they made the gulf cartel be the stooge you know and I don't even know if they're the ones who, in fact, were responsible for this, but they made them be the stooge. And the letter on the screen, I'm going to read it. It says, Gulf Cartel Apology Letter. We have decided to turn over those who were directly responsible in the events, who at all times acted under, <laughs> under their own decision, without our directive and against the rules of the Gulf Cartel. What are the rules of the Gulf Cartel? Did these guys who you see on the screen... Did they really act independently of the instructions they were given? Do they have like a patrol guide, like the police department? Oh, you know, go spray that van, that van coming from the United States, go spray it with gunfire and kidnap the people inside it. Is that the directives that they got from the Gulf cartel? Did they really act on their own? I think this is just a rogue, rogue nation with these drug cartels that they run the country. They absolutely run the country. And here's another picture. This red, this little red house that was a, they showed the inside of it. It was a pigsty. It was filthy. That's where two of the captives were held. I believe it was um, uh, Latavia Washington McGee, the female, and uh, Eric James Williams, who was shot three times but lived. The other two, um, Zindel Brown and Shahid Woodard, they died during the, these, this kidnapping and the attacks. So it's absolutely a joke, these, this apology letter. And, you know, what the reason they're apologizing is they're afraid that the U.S., the paper tiger, the U.S., will wake up and send 3,000 Marines into Mexico and just dismantle the cartels. That's not going to happen. I'll tell you that right now. That's not going to happen. But that's what their fear is. And the reason I'm saying that is because in 1985, a semblance of that actually happened. The cartels killed a DEA agent, kidnapped and killed and tortured a DEA agent named Kiki Camarena. And our country lost it. They sent all the law enforcement they had. They spared no expense. And they found out and arrested the persons in, uh, that, that were involved in this. But the biggest place they hit them is guess where? in their pocket. And that's what they most fear. They don't fear getting killed. They fear losing money. Mike. Yeah, this, that's the only way that you have to match force with force 
we always like to think of ourselves as the you know most free strongest uh nation in the in the country the indispensable nation that can do anything go anytime anywhere with whatever resources there are across the globe in any for any sort of emergency but we if you're gonna really believe that's what you are and who we are you have to live up to it and by living up to it means you have to be able to meet force with force this is this if we ever did it would be ugly because these are highly trained people some of them are highly trained we know they come directly from the mexican military others are like the gang that perhaps couldn't shoot straight like this group but they are rogues and they're dangerous and it would it's going to cost american lives if we did go across the border I doubt we will. There's a, a number of reasons why we wouldn't. But um, until we at least make it look like we mean business, serious business, and hit them in the pocketbook, um, this could continue. Um, these guys have way too much power on both sides of the border now. It's not like it's, this is just confined to um, the uh, south of the border. This is now north of the border. Uh, Thunder Horse, you know, you're preaching to the choir, and we're saying exactly what you're saying. Those five guys are only scapegoats. They mm -hmm. ain't the ones who did it. Well, I'm not going to campaign for anybody, but you're right. They're right. not the ones who did it. They're just, they rounded up five guys. They handed them over. Because what, like we said before, what they're really concerned with is not human life. It's their pocketbook. They're afraid that they're going to lose all kinds of money. Because they're going to wake up the U.S., they're going to wake up the DEA, they're going to wake up the ATF, they're going to wake up the American military, and someone is going to have the Kilionis to go in there with the military and kick ass and take names. But I don't think it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Support and you know, what does our government say to the parents of Zindel Brown, who was killed? What do they say to the parents of Shaheed Woodard, who was killed? What do they say? Oh, we're sorry. Right. You, you know all about this, and you're permitting it to happen. I would take that would be an empty call from whatever government official calls because they're just going to do what they always do, which is nothing. The fentanyl crisis is known to everyone, and it killed 100,000 Americans last year. 100,000. There was a case in uh, California uh, about, about maybe six months ago. Uh, like Some county deputies uh, did a car stop, and they found like big, huge full-size, like 33-gallon garbage can bags filled with uh, fentanyl tablets, uh, hundreds, you know, thousands upon thousands of tablets, fentanyl tablets, and they were given a desk appearance ticket and cut out, and they left, and they're not coming back. It's like we, these these guys were caught with enough fentanyl to kill like half the people in California. And sounds like New York City, Mike. It sounds like New York City, the catch and release programs for felons, you know? You have to laugh because it, it is actually so scary and pathetic that our government is this impotent. And it's even not only the federal government, but in some ways it's the state government. Why wouldn't you hold these people? They're here illegally. We don't really know who they are. They come in with a car load full of fentanyl and they get a desk appearance ticket and they get released. Wow. Well, you know, when Kamala Harris is the border czar, we have big problems, you know. Right. I don't even know if she's ever been to the border or she knows if she, I don't even know if she knows where it is. You know, right. let me play a little bit of this. South Carolina overnight, an emotional vigil near the victim's hometown. Family members of one survivor, Latavia Washington McGee, expect the mother of six back home soon 
after a trip to Mexico turned into a nightmare. Her mother Barbara telling CNN her devastated daughter watched her longtime friends die. I hope they um, get all of them and, and put them all in jail. In Matamoros on Wednesday, a swarm of Mexican military converging not far from where armed gunmen kidnapped the four Americans. This as new video unveiled a startling twist. Mexico, here we come. Video live streamed on Facebook before the kidnapping appears to show not four, but five people inside the van. A law enforcement source telling NBC another woman also made the trip, but did not cross the border with the others because she did not have proper documentation. Cheryl Orange spoke to the Associated Press, saying that she stayed behind at a motel and they were supposed to return 15 minutes after dropping off Latavia Washington McGee for the cosmetic procedure in Mexico. But she grew worried as time went on and spoke to authorities after not hearing from them. The four who did cross? New images from Mexican authorities show the gunmen trailing their white minivan minutes before they opened fire. Additional images appear to show travel documents, luggage, debit cards, and cash that investigators found inside the vehicle. In the aftermath of the attack, Mexican authorities scrambled to several different hospitals for days, trying to track down victims, before finally locating all four inside this wooden shack. After speaking with one victim's family, South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham promising, We're going to unleash the fury and might of the United States against these cartels. Morgan, there's now a push to designate cartels as terrorist organizations. What can you tell us about that? What would be the impact? Yeah, Savannah, despite a growing number of lawmakers suggesting that, the White House has since responded and saying that putting that terrorist label on cartels would not give them significantly more authority than they already have. They mentioned sanctions specifically targeting individuals and whole cartel groups as being effective and something that they have at their disposal. In the meantime, we know that a high-level delegation from Washington was already in Mexico to discuss the ongoing fentanyl crisis when this took place, uh, and that topic of conversation will no doubt shift to this kidnapping later today. Savannah. All right, Morgan Chesky, thank you. Unbelievable. You know, it's like I have no faith in our government that they're going to do anything about this. I think they're going to do absolutely nothing. Lindsey Graham can talk tough. He's not tough. Uh, you know, yeah. the, the Republicans talk, let's use the military. It's a bigger thing than that. You don't just say, okay, get 3,000 Marines, let's go invade Mexico. You can't do that. There's so much politics to this. And as I mentioned before, this drug trade and this human trafficking trade is part of Mexico's economy. It's a legal economy and it's horrific, but do you think their government is looking to lose billions of dollars? And this is the reality of it. And they may deny it. Oh, we don't want the drug trail. Really? It's probably fueling your economy more than any other product you have in that country. And, and yes, is Mexico a huge trade partner with the United States? Absolutely. Like, let me just do a quick announcement. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, real crime stories. If you like true crime, real crime from a police perspective, then go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, like us, share us, and make comments. We love to read your comments. And if you want to help us financially, we have a Patreon with three different levels, and we also have a YouTube channel membership with, count them, five different levels, and you see the folks in the green font. 
They're all members of our YouTube channel, and they all support police off-the-cuff real crime stories. And we so, so appreciate our YouTube channel members and our Patreon members and all of our subscribers, fans, and friends. You know, Mike, I, I get a little bit emotional about this. I really do because it seems like in the last 20 years, you know, I've been off the NYPD 11 years that they've really cuffed law enforcement. And if you talk to any DEA people or ATF people that have worked in Mexico, they are more frustrated by the politics of it than they are of the actual work. They had great things to say about the Mexican police. They had great things to say about the military they worked with. However, the politics of it, DEA agents and ATF agents, they're not politicians. They're law enforcement. Billy, it's like, just like uh, you mentioned in the past in previous broadcasts, uh, the police and politics is inseparable. We've seen it in New York City. We've seen it in, in, uh, in Washington, DC, and you're seeing it here. Um, there's many things that can be effective in fighting crime, like say in a New York City level, but the politicians don't want to do it because of the backlash that they're going to get from the news media and from political pressure from gr grassroots organizations. Uh, same thing here. Uh, we are, uh, you know, intimately entangled uh, in terms of trade with uh, Canada, with uh, Mexico, and we are not going to do anything to upset the balance of trade with with Mexico right now. Um, we have, you know, uh, products are made in Mexico shipped here, and uh, we have cars that are made in Mexico shipped here. And you see the videos uh, as you showed of the Mexican army. They look really tough in their fatigues. They're standing around, but um, I think it, that's all show. They can drive around in a Humvee all they want with their machine guns, but you know they're not using them. Uh, it, this has got to be something that's going to come from. It's got first primarily from Mexico itself. The Mexican government has to decide that they're it's there it's them or the cartels. But right now they're joining with the cartels on many different levels. These cartels have been openly operating for a, well over a decade, maybe two decades now, easily. And so until that happens, uh, it's anything that we could do is ineffective. Our our law enforcement down there, they're operating, you know. Um, with a one hand tied behind their back. They might like the, uh, some of the Mexican um, uh, uh, police that they work with, the, the federales that they work with. But the problem is, what can you do? Because I'm sure there are politics that are affecting how much uh, cooperation they're getting from the federales there. And so that really does uh, bring it down to a very low level of results. Um, Lindsey Graham, uh, we're going to uh, unleash the fire and fury of America on Mexico. Uh, don't hold your breath, okay? Don't hold your breath. Uh, don't don't bet the paycheck on that happening. This is going. Uh, everybody's counting on this blowing over, and it'll be back to business as usual. Um, I don't believe that this is a straw that breaks the camel's back. N no way. You know, Mike, you're so right. I, they're just going to wait for this to blow over because right. they've had years and years and years to do something about the fentanyl crisis. And as I said, 100,000 Americans died of fentanyl deaths last year in our country. And what do our politicians do? Nothing, absolutely nothing. They give a lot of lip service. When you watch these congressional hearings, all they do is yell at each other and nothing ever gets done. They can't agree to anything. 
even the most obvious stuff they can't agree with. You know, and then you get people like this, uh, Pablo Escobar, right? This guy becomes a hero. He's like a hero. He owns, you know, he's worth X billions amount of dollars. But meanwhile, he's one of the most ruthless killers probably in history, you know? And then, of course, you have El Chapo here. And now El Chapo's son is running one of the cartels in Mexico. So this drug trade is, is running in families. And it's just horrific. And we're allowing it to happen. And our southern neighbor is, is poisoning our country. And our politicians, our elected officials, they refuse to do their job. Just think about what 100,000 means. 100,000 people, that's more death than we had in the Vietnam War. That's more deaths, way more deaths than we had in the Korean War. That's probably 10 times the number of deaths we had in uh, the 20 years that we fought war the war on terror in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, that's uh, an amazing amount of people. And we say it and we hear the number and we're kind of numb to it because we keep hearing numbers like 100,000 here, 50,000 here, 75,000 here. And, un and until it hits your family, or someone that you know, perhaps in your town, um, it's just a number, you know. Uh, I, there was the uh, old Chinese saying, uh, was it maybe Mao Zedong said it? You know, the death of one man is a tragedy. The death of a thousand, it's just a number. And uh, we're, we're, I think we are numb to it, and we've come to accept it s sadly in a way. And uh, look, look at the issue with just um, trying to figure out where the uh, what were the origins of the Chinese flu, um, and uh, that killed over a million Americans. And, and it seems we, it seems obvious, and mm -hmm. no one can agree on it, right? You know, because so, of the politics involved in it. A million Americans died. It's split up. Republicans, Democrats, right. so far apart. The you know you see a car with five people in it with masks. You know those those were five Democrats. <laughs> Well, you, you know, it's so sad because we we end up, and sadly, just like with it's with with the uh, COVID, we we politicize a national health crisis, and we're going to politicize this. We're not going to effectively do anything about it, but we're going to talk about it, and then we'll the, the politicians will divide up one side on the other. Uh, Lindsey Graham will talk, and some other po politicians like Gavin Newsom will talk about something, and we'll just go back and forth. But there won't be any agreement whatsoever because no one wants to uh, look bad and everyone's everyone's appealing to their base and everybody's gearing up for the 2024 elections. Because remember, that's a presidential election year, but it's also one third of the House and Senate are coming up for election. Right. Um, so nobody but nobody wants to to vote to send force across uh, even across our border, not even 12,000 miles away to Iraq and Afghanistan. No, right across our border, we can't do it. We don't have um, we don't have the the uh, the unity to do it. I think they just want to talk about men using women's bathrooms. I think that's their biggest issue. They'd rather talk about that than a hundred thousand Americans dying from fentanyl. You know, yeah. they want to just you know put a smoke screen up. Let's talk about how you feel that day, which bathroom you should use. It. I mean, just I just right. cannot no, believe true. we are this. This is where we are in this country. You know, about a year and a half ago, we had Steve Murphy and Javier Pena on, two DEA agents from 
that television, that hit show Narco. So I just want to play a little bit. Phil was on the show with me. We had some laughs with them. As a matter of fact, we, we've become friends and stay in contact. And she did the research to corroborate that story where when it came out publicly that that uh, the United States wanted to indict Raul and, and you know the White House said no, well, the Castro stepped up and said, oh, well, you know what? It wasn't us. It was these four Cuban army generals. And so we put them before a firing squad and we killed them for you. You know, <laughs> just you talk about scapegoats, man. I was just going to say scapegoats. Yeah, they scapegoated those four guys for sure. Oh, uh, you know, not so caped Crusader 62. Thank you for the $10 super chat. And he says, my thanks to Steve and Javier for being here to tell the story. Rest in peace, Kiki. He's referring to Kiki oh, Camarena. Uh, very nice. Very well. Thank you so much. And that's, you know, you know, one of the things that I think it's so and look, I was never in narcotics in my whole career. I, I went towards what was the results of narcotics, which was robberies and murders and shootings and things like that. But when you talk about the big drug trade and at the big level, like you guys went after Pablo Escobar, governments were involved and there's huge, huge corruption. Whether it's on the side in in on the with Pablo Escobar, Colombia, or whether it's on this, our country being corrupt, and we can draw parallels to today with the open borders of people pouring across our border, and the fentanyl problem with this country right now, and it's seemingly no one's doing anything about it, and it seems like it's being allowed. Your your comments, guys. You know what? You're right. That fentanyl that's coming across. And, and you know, I'm, well, I mean, my last job was in Houston, so I, I ran the southwest border area, you know, all the crossing. What I'm seeing right now, it's it hasn't stopped, man. It has, there's still a lot of dope, and especially this counterfeit pills. You know, we belong to another group, and you hear the stories from family members that, my kid never used dope, which is true, but they gave him a pill. Or he bought a one was a, just couldn't sleep. Buddy of his gave him a Xanax pill that was filled with fentanyl that, that was yeah. bought in the black market. That's the type of examples. Ladies who never taken, hey, a friend, here, try this pill. They bought it off the black market, and it's filled with fentanyl. That's like thousands and thousands of examples of what's going on. So uh, it, it is bad. And uh, I, I just, you know, we see it. I mean, I see the seizures here at the border. Uh, I think they've got another 100 pounds in Laredo of uh, fentanyl. I mean, it's just, it, it's coming across. And uh, you know what? You know, we have the demand, right? I mean, you know. I, Javier, I, the, the, the scary yeah. thing that I've been seeing recently is that the case that I think you're referencing uh, with the pill, the, where the person bought the one pill that had a backache or Xanax, right. It was bought through like Snapchat, which is a social media outlet that is geared towards young people. That's the real scary thing. A kid that really wasn't addicted to drugs. That was a year and a half ago we had them on. Has anything changed, Mike? Has the fentanyl crisis gotten uh, lesser? Has it, has it been corrected? Has our government done a damn thing about it? No, they haven't done anything. It's worse. It's worse now. Because now they're entrenched. A year and a half ago, they might have been just getting their feet underneath them. Now they're entrenched and they've got a system. And uh, it's amazing that our government is actually allowing uh, pills across the country that have killed 100,000 Americans.
Um, that's shocking, and no one seems to care at the top. And uh, nothing's going to happen until, um, you know, in the next two years. We can expect probably more of this uh, for the next two years. 100%. The pictures on the screen of Zindel Brown, Latavia Washington McGee, Shahid Woodard, and Eric James Williams, if you were a relative of theirs, a loved one of theirs, would you want a call from a government official telling you how sorry they were? I think that would ring rather, you know, empty for me, you know, really? You've known about this for 20 years. You haven't done a damn thing. In fact, it's gotten worse. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And, you know, of course, Republicans scream, use the military, which is, it's easy to say. Democrats scream, oh, well, the, the border's secure. It's just nonsense, nonsense. And, you know, this is the results. And I, as I said early on in the broadcast was that government's number one priority is to protect its citizenry. And they're failing miserably in that. Mike? Yeah, the, the one thing above all else is to protect its citizens. And after that, you know, there's other many other things, but they can't even do that. We could even and just think about it uh, where we are compared to where we were, say, five years ago. Uh, here we are and we are saying, OK, the border secure. We know it's not. People are actually just lying to you while they can show people running across the, uh, the border all hours of day or night. Um, they know what the deal is, but they're trying to tell you that what you see doesn't really exist. Don't believe what you actually see, but believe what we're telling you. Um, we could perhaps have a, uh, an effective uh, countermeasure by actually closing our border to the point where um, we, we have very few uh, crossings like we had about, say, six or seven years ago. That would be a, a more acceptable level. And then we'd have to do some other operations, uh, police operations, perhaps, perhaps military operations. But that would all have to be done in conjunction with the cooperation, the full cooperation of the Mexican government. And uh, until that happens, there's nothing that you can really do that's going to be effective. Um, and so it's one of those things. It's we're going to have to live with this for at least the next two years until another until something happens with the national uh, at the national level uh, and to convince them to do something and then also convince the Mexican level uh, government to do something, too, where you can squeeze these guys from both sides. And I'm a pessimist. Uh, I'm a New York City cop 20 years. I don't see it happening. Uh, I'd like to say it could happen be before two years, but I think we're in it for the long haul. The misery is going to last at least another two years. Jesse Lynn, I don't think allowing is the right word. Well, Jesse, I, the reason I say allow is because we have the ability, maybe not to stop it, but to cut it back to it, to it where the cartels will be, will be suffering. They'll be dying, you know, and they'll, they'll try to find different ways to smuggle drugs into our country. Hey, so, Billy, can I make one observation? Real quick. Yeah, go ahead. go ahead. I remember being in the 4-6 in the Bronx as a patrolman and being a sergeant in the 3-0. And, you know, the, a kilo of cocaine over the course of 20 years didn't really go up a lot in price. Um, you know, $25,000, $30,000 per key is what we used to see in the Bronx and in Manhattan. And after all the efforts and all the anti-crime efforts over the course of two decades, uh, and the price remained steady, 
uh, so you know that what was gathered by the NYPD is just is just a small tip of the iceberg, and it's the cost of doing business. And so I think with uh, with what we see going on today with fentanyl, we can get seizures, uh, big huge bags of it, but that's only the um, the tip of the iceberg. So I like to use the word allow because we are allowing it uh, to come across by our our our, our feckless um, policies that are totally ineffective. Well, Mike, not by our action, by our inaction, we're right. allowing exactly. it. And that's, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, I want heart to touch. Not much in life is free nowadays. Take advantage of that thumbs up and hit it. You know, we had uh, a couple, about a month or two, maybe two months ago, we had Jonathan Alperion, who was a war correspondent, a journalist. Uh, he's been embedded all over the world. He was taken hostage for three months by the... Uh, I forget which cartel it was, uh, but he was held kidnapped for three months. And um, he he talked about the fentanyl crisis and the fact that, you know, no one's doing anything about it. And as the numbers increase in our country, 100,000 last year, think of that. I mean, 100, and some of, a lot of them are kids that maybe, like you said, the accidental overdose Mm -hmm. of taking a pill that they thought was Xanax or something else, and it's laced with fentanyl, and they lose their life. And what are our politicians doing about it? Nothing. They're doing absolutely nothing. They talk tough. Let's make it a a terrorist organization. Let's use the military. They know it's not going to happen. They know they they can talk as tough as they want, but they're not tough, most of them, you know. And just think, Billy, how many cities in America and towns in America have less than 100,000 people in them statistically. So 100,000 people is a lot of, is a huge number. And if you have if you live in a small town, could you imagine the small town being wiped off the mat? You live in a small city with, say, 70, 70, uh, 75,000 people, or maybe 100,000 people. Imagine the the, uh, the the whole population just wiped off the mat. Uh, this is uh, a huge number. And we keep talking about it, and it's it's um, the magnitude. I think because it's un, until it happens to someone that is close to you, um, we we kind of get numb to the number. It's just a number after a while, and uh, and po- I think politicians know that, um, you know, and they're just going to bide their time until it blows over. Yeah, I, I believe you're right, folks. On the screen, I have a map, and the title of the map is Mexican travel warnings and red is do not travel to period. Do not go there. Period. Sinaloa, Jalisco, Colima, Michoacan, Guerrero, Tamalupis, which is where the town of Matamoros was in that area. Uh, And then they have green reconsider travel to, uh, you know, Baja, California, Sonora, Chihuahua, Durango, uh, Colima, don't go to Mexico, period. If they have, what if you just cross the borders of one of these places going somewhere else? Do you really want to take that chance? Do you want to go to a country where there's cartels trolling the streets with AKs? I don't want to go to a country like that. And unfortunately, these four Americans that lost their life going to this location they they obviously didn't read the travel warnings because this place was a do not go. Do not go to this period. 
you know, and, you know, a traveler has to be educated on where they can go. I mean, I went to Costa Rica uh, years ago and I didn't even, I didn't feel very safe in Costa Rica either, to tell you okay. the truth. You know, uh, we were in a restaurant once and, and the waitresses ripped us off and we couldn't speak the language. So we couldn't really like argue with them and it would have escalated and they would have probably won the argument. So we just let them steal whatever they stole, $10 or whatever, you know. But it's an uncomfortable feeling to be in a country where you, you don't know if the law is going to be on your side, you know. And you hear stories all the time, too, about Mexican police pulling over tourists and robbing the tourists, the actual police in Mexico. Mm -hmm. I've heard that story numerous times, some from cops, cops right. that went there. NYPD went to Mexico. They got pulled over by the Mexican police and they got robbed at gunpoint. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, I think many Americans would sit there and say, well, you know, we're, we're just law abiding people. We're going to just spend a day in Mexico. We're not going to go out drinking and partying at, and clubbing. We're not going to engage in any sort of risky behaviors whatsoever. We're just going to go there. Uh, this young lady's going to have her medical procedure. We're just going to go back home to America. Nobody's going to bother us because we're not going to do anything risky. And the idea that, um, that you could do that and just just go along and not be bothered and not hurt anybody. Nobody's going to hurt you. You're only going to be there for 24 hours. Uh, this proves that, you know, that's inaccurate. The moment you step across that border, you are fair game. You are, you are entering a shooting gallery. You're a duck in a shooting gallery. And, and that's the sad part. And, and no one at all should venture in, into Mexico for any reason whatsoever under any circumstances. You know, Mike, again, hit them in the pocketbook. Hit right. the country in the pocketbook by saying, just make a travel advisory. The uh, U.S. State Department, Americans do not go to Mexico, period. Right. You want to you keep peddling these drugs? <clears throat> you want to have this violence in your country? <clears throat> We're going to advise all of our citizens not to go to Mexico, period. Scott, I got robbed in Jamaica. You couldn't pay me to go back. Yeah, it's not a good feeling, right? Uh, to get robbed in a country that you're a tourist in. It's like it's not comfortable to get robbed anywhere. No. But uh, you know, when you're a tourist visiting, it's really crazy. You know, the other thing is the other side of this, and a big side of this, of course, is the human trafficking. And this is the same people that are pushing the fentanyl and the cocaine is the cartels are involved in the human trafficking. And in June of last, uh, I think it was 2022, they had one of the most horrific um, horrific deaths uh, in, in regards to human trafficking in Mexico. And I'm going to play a little bit of this, but 51 people lost their lives in the back of a truck from suffocation and heat prostration. And if that didn't wake people up, you could see the government official giving this presentation is 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 almost in tears reporting on this all right we're waiting for a law enforcement press conference just starting on the 40 migrants found dead in a big rig truck tonight we are dealing with a horrific human tragedy so i would urge you all to think compassionately and pray for the deceased the ailing the families and we hope that those responsible for 
putting these people in such humane conditions are prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Uh, so this is a federal investigation, um, but I'm going to turn it over to Chief McManus to talk a little bit about the city's initial response. You'll hear from Chief Hood as well. And then uh, Councilmember Rocha Garcia will provide some for our Spanish media. Thank you, Mayor. So I, I want to emphasize that this is preliminary information and it could change. So the first call came in at about uh, 10 minutes to 6 this afternoon. Uh, fire a, a worker uh, who is works in one of the buildings up here behind me uh, heard a cry for help, came out to investigate, found a, a trailer with the doors partially open, uh, opened them up to take a look and found a number of um, deceased individuals inside. So Folks, this story is from June 28th, 2022, in which it they reported 40. It was actually 51 people lost their lives during this incident. Just, just totally horrific. We have three people in custody. We don't know if they are absolutely connected to this or not. Um, this investigation has been turned over to HSI. It is now a federal investigation. Turned it over to them about probably two hours ago. But right now we've got three folks in custody. Um, and again, this is all preliminary information. I want to turn it over to Chief Hood. Uh, good evening, Charles Hood, San Antonio Fire Department. Approximately six this evening, San Antonio Fire Department responded to 9,600 Quintana Road for a report of a dead person. Engine 52 arrived and uh, found a trailer, as Chief McManus mentioned, uh, with a body outside and, and several that they could visibly see inside once the doors were opened. Um, at this time, we have processed approximately 46 bodies that have been triaged and tagged and uh, declared deceased at this time. Fortunately, we were able to transport 16 people 12 of those are adults and four pediatric. All of them were conscious at the time upon transportation. Uh, first patient was transported at seven minutes after six, with the last one being transported at uh, 6.57. So a mass casualty with the triage involved, it went very smoothly and very quickly. The patients that we saw were hot to the touch. They were suffering uh, from heat stroke, heat exhaustion, uh, no signs of water in the vehicle. It was a refrigerated tractor trailer, but there was no uh, visible working AC unit on that rig. Uh, at this time, we have uh, released all our companies back in service. We use approximately about 60 firefighters, 20 fire engines, and 10 medic units of which we transported uh, to various local hospitals uh, throughout this city. So it is our hope and prayer that the conditions of those that were transported will improve as we speak. Uh, we are currently putting those 60 members through critical incident stress debriefing. So folks, as I said, this incident happened June 28th, 2022. And this was a human trafficking operation in which I believe the final death count was 51 people lost their lives in this. Now, these 
these uh, trucks will pass through like San Diego and they have a great well, they have a system of video and they stop these trucks, but this truck drove right through the toll and no one stopped it. No one checked it out. And there was 51 people inside the back with no air conditioning. It was probably, the heat was probably, you know, high eighties, low nineties. And these people suffocated to death. And this is the price of human trafficking. When governments do nothing, this is what happens. Nothing being done, you know, Mike. Yeah, Billy, when this happened, uh, everybody was in shock because uh, we, we, we thought at some level from the governments talking about allowing the open borders that that was a humane thing to do, allow people to come across the border, give them food, give them a place to stay, and they we would welcome them into America despite, you know, no COVID vaccinations. We're going to fly them around the country to different places where, um, you know, private organizations would take care of them and everything would work out. Um, and this was a shock because you have over 50 people die in one trailer. And it was not the straw that broke the camel's back to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, we, we got to readdress and reconsider uh, the way we do immigration in this country over the past from, say, uh, 2020 to 2022 when this happened. And to sit there and not to see and to see this continue on. Um, you know, the human trafficking part of it involving young girls and children uh, sold into prostitution, slavery in, in our own country is, is shocking. And uh, nothing changed within our federal government's policy after this tragedy. It was, OK, let's clean it all up. Well, we'll talk, we'll talk, big talk, and then we'll just move on. And that's the price we pay for open borders. Um no, that's, we should not be having this sort of thing. 51 people lost their lives. Uh, these are innocent people, and they were their lives were lost because you have drug cartels doing this sort of thing. These people are reaching way across our own border. Uh, their long arm goes well across our border, and this is the tragedy of it. And if that didn't shock people, uh, shock our politicians into action, I don't know what will. I really don't. Mike, I agree with you. Eddie Leal, uh, in all reality, Mexican, Mexican government is unable to handle these cartels. Also, the amount of corruption on both sides of the border is beyond belief. Too many people in the cartel's pockets. Eddie Leal, you're 100% right. And that's our government too. Because to me, our government not doing anything about this is, is corruption. It's part of this corruption. Because, look, no one said the problems that politicians deal with are easy. They're not easy. Of course, if they were easy, you know, everyone would be a politician. Well, it seems like everyone is trying to be a politician. But the problems that they deal with have solutions. You may not agree with the solutions, but doing nothing is not a solution. And that's what it appears to me that they've been doing. They've been really doing nothing. Folks, I want to just go to a quick commercial. Folks, if you need an attorney, in the New York City metropolitan area, then Joe Murray is your man. Joe Murray is a retired NYPD police officer and a fantastic defense attorney. Many police officers that listen to this show, many people in law enforcement, many just regular civilians reach out to Joe Murray uh, to represent them in their legal matters. You can reach Joe on his cell phone at 718-514-3855. 
His email is joe at jmurray-law.com. His website, jmurray-law.com. Joe is also a huge supporter of Police Off the Cuff and has been probably since we started this show. Three, I don't know when we started, three and a half, four years ago, it seems. But Joe's been a huge supporter. You know, Mike, it's it's so uh, it's disheartening just, just to even report on this. It's disheartening because things can be done here. There is a solution to this, and it's not going to totally solve the problem, but there is a solution. There is something that can be done to mitigate this problem, to make it, to cut it in half, say. Let's make right. it half as bad as it is, you know, not keep it at 100%, which is what they're doing now. Right. Yeah, um, there is a solution, but it's going to be tough and it's going to take a while and people aren't going to uh, necessarily like the situation or the solution. Um, I think everybody right now in government is just hoping that, uh, you know, you don't have another 50 people die in a uh, tractor trailer or they hope that Americans heed the travel warning and don't go to Mexico, even for the most uh, lawful purposes whatsoever. But, you know, hope is not a strategy. Hope is just sitting on your hands and keeping your fingers crossed. And and that is an absolute uh, abomination because you're you're not doing the one basic job that you're you're supposed to be doing. And that is to keep our our, our people safe, you know, uh, and that's not happening. Um, if we cut it back to where it was just in 2018, 2020, you know, something like that, uh, even though there was still problems on the border. If we could cut it back to at least that level, that would be a great uh, gift for us as a, in our national security. You're right, Mike. Peggy, really, to say that it will change in two years, hopefully, is a political stance. This has gone on for decades and more. Right. You know, Peggy, that's what we're saying. Basically, um, doing nothing is not a solution or it's not addressing the problem. Doing something, even though we don't think this problem can be eradicated, but it can be made better through action, whatever the action is going to be. Because right now, our government is failing. They're not doing really anything to rectify this problem. And it's on three different tiers, fentanyl, human trafficking, and then just regular cocaine coming into our country from these cartels. Are these cartels more powerful than governments? It seems that they are, that they're even part of governments. Let me play a little bit of uh, Janine Pirro. Is it time for America to wage war on the cartels? Growing pressure on Joe Biden to get tough with these drug lords and designate them as terrorist organizations after the brutal killing of Americans. Instead of focusing on root causes like Kamala is supposed to be doing, we need to stop the cartel carnage once and for all. They are flooding America with fentanyl. Over 100,000 Americans are now dying from poisoning. They are overwhelming our border, making $13 billion a year in human trafficking. And now these narco-terrorists are kidnapping, torturing, and killing American citizens. Mexico is so dangerous right now that the State Department is warning spring breakers about even going to the country. Republicans say enough is enough. It's time to take action. We're going to unleash the fury and might of the United States against these cartels. We're going to introduce legislation in the coming days and trying to make it bipartisan 
to designate these groups foreign terrorist organizations under U.S. law. Lindsey Graham is right, though. We're losing 100,000 Americans every single year to drug deaths, almost exclusively because of Mexican drug cartels. If the Mexican government will not or cannot stop these cartels from killing hundreds of thousands of Americans, then America should. The White House, though, is not sold on the idea of using the military to go after cartels, but maybe they should listen to what Joe Biden has said about it. What is the real story of January? <laughs> so, you know, there's another example of, um, I'm not a huge fan of Janine Pirro either. No. I just thought Same we had here. to play. I just think she talks a, a good game too, but uh, yeah. she was a former district attorney in Westchester County. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, I don't want to get into that, but um, they have to do something because they, they're doing, they're really doing nothing now. And, and you know, even Lindsey Graham talking right there, talking tough, we're going to use the, you know, he's full of crap. He's not going to, you know, he, he, oh, does he want to do that? I don't know. He, he, he can talk about taking a vote on it and doing this and doing that, but it's not going to happen. It's absolutely not going to happen, Mike. Yeah, we're not, we're not, it's not going to happen until we get really get the uh, cooperation, true, if we ever get true cooperation from the Mexican government. We could unleash, you know, fire and fury. We, we have the ability to do that. We could hit them with drones. We could do all kinds of things. It would be really ugly. We'd be compared to like, uh, Russia invading Ukraine. Um, we'd have to ha have first some sort of bipartisan legislation like an authorization to use military force, an AUMF, similar to what we uh, voted on, uh, Congress voted on in uh, following 9-11 attacks. Um, something like that's not going to happen because uh, we have a government in Mexico that uh, won't probably go along with that. The only way you could is if they would quietly uh, close their eyes and pretend it wasn't happening. Uh, but that's not going to happen. Um, our own press would roast us and it would become a, a by, it would become a, uh, a, uh, not a cause, a, a cause celeb. Yeah. It would be a cause yeah. celeb to go against it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's sadly, it, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna, it would, even if we started out as a bipartisan kind of effort, it would end up in a partisan uh, finger pointing, uh, and it would probably die out. Uh, we will. I don't know if we have the if our politicians have the stomach for for this sort of thing. And we 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 have to have the Mexican government working with us. We can't do this by ourselves. You no, know, Mike, one hundred percent. We can all, Mike. We can only sure. do that with full cooperation yeah. of the Mexican government. Otherwise, you can't. It, it'd be like an invasion into another country. And right. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can't do it's that. It's just, yeah. it's, it can't even be considered. I, this is what uh, Joe Biden said in 1996. Let's hear what he said. ...drug strategy that we get the military involved. The military, in fact, can do a very important job by using their radars, by using their technology, by using their ability to identify for purposes of interdiction, drug trafficking patterns. Well, Republicans... All right, I'll get rid of Janine. I don't want to play any more of her. Uh, someone Thank else you. was screaming, get Biden's face off the screen. I feel the same way about Janine Pirro. I just thought we had to play something. So I look, Mike, we covered this, I think, as best we could. Right. Um, this is not a popular topic. Many people have strong 
feelings one way or the other. Um, it's just, you know, have we solved any problems in this hour and 11 minutes? No, I think we're just shining a light on it uh, right. about what is and isn't being done. And mostly it's um, it's what isn't being done. And I, as an American citizen, and I, I think you feel the same way, feel that, you know, talking about it and looking just like omission is just as bad as commission in a way, you know, exactly. when you do nothing through omission, that's, it's like the old adage, oh, he or she just sits on the fence. They take no position. And that's, it's like being neutral. It's like a neutral country, you know, sit on the fence and then get all, you get your panties or underwear twisted in knots when something bad happens, because right. now it affects you. But till it affects you, you're going to sit on the fence and not right. take a position. Mike, final thoughts. As you bring up, acts of omission are just as bad as acts of commission, especially when the people who are supposed to be acting in our benefit and our behalf to secure our borders are uh, failing to act. Um, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better, and it probably won't get even a smidgen better for at least another two years until another round of elections. But this is a long, long time that has been going on with the Mexican government. It's going to continue on. My guess is we're going to have our grandchildren will still be having to deal with this sort of thing. Absolutely. Uh, Pauline Robb, this drug trafficking has been going on for half a century and will probably continue for another half a century. Pauline Robb, you're 100% right. However, it's getting worse and not better. You know, when I first came on the job in 1985, the big drug on the street was heroin. Uh, and you see people walking around with those elephantitis legs. I don't know if you ever saw that, but mm -hmm. when people are long-term heroin addicts, their legs get infected and they like blow up. And many of them have to get their legs amputated because they get gangrene. And that's what we saw in certain precincts in the inner city was these people walking around like zombies addicted to heroin. And then shortly thereafter, I didn't really have much time, crack hit the streets. Oh, yeah. You know, and the crack epidemic, as they called it, hit the streets and just wreaked havoc. Washington Heights in 1990, the three, four precinct had 129 murders, one precinct in New York City. Had a, and it was all drug dealers killing each other for the turf, really? for that corner. It was a war over the corners. Yeah. Do we want to see that again in the United States? I'm sure there's still neighborhoods that that is happening. But in the 1990, it, it, it hit the you know it hit the uh, ultimate high of I think New York City had over 2,200 murders. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah, and I think now they get four or five hundred a year. Yeah. 2,200 murders. Like the three, four precinct back then was getting a murder every three days. Yeah. If you do the math, actually yeah, even crazy. quicker than that, more than uh, every three days. You know, my precinct, the four, six, we uh, twice over the course of five years, we hit over a hundred. There were, there were detectives in the, de in the detective squad upstairs with four five and six homicides in their folder, uh, you know, and it's just like, they were all drug, drug, uh, guys shooting it out at three o'clock in the morning over spots, assassinating each other. Um, 
nobody wants to go back to the 2200 homicides a year sort of thing because could you imagine the outrage but 2200 compared to 100,000 in, in you know there there's this uh feeling that you know they're numbers but you actually have to experience them and then you understand if you experience them as a police officer or as a citizen living in those neighborhoods then or it's affected you like with the 100,000 people who've died from fentanyl then you realize it, then the gravity of the situation grabs you and then you want to do something. But until then, it's just a number. Yeah. You know, I, I remember, look, Lieutenant Peter Pranzo in the chat, Harlem Raiders. I mean, he's, he's a great American hero. And uh, he had the 3-2 and the 3-2 was one of the worst drug zones in oh, the world. Yeah. And yeah. Lieutenant Pete, he actually had a contract put out on him. This is when I think it was... Um, the Gambino crime family ran the drugs in Harlem and there was a contract out on Lieutenant Pete. So he goes back. And when I say he's a great American hero, he is, I'm not trying to pacify him. He is a hero. And look, we don't want to go back to those days of, you know, 2,200 murders, but guess what? Fentanyl is quietly murdering people in our country without anyone pulling a trigger, you know? And not specifically drug addicted people, people taking it by accident. And the, the, our government is letting these cartels do it. I mean, I just, I just cannot understand it. I really cannot get that our government is allowing it. They are allowing it. When you don't, when you do through omission, like we just said, mm -hmm. it's just as bad as doing it through commission. So to doing nothing, they're allowing 100,000 Americans to get killed every year through fentanyl overdoses. That's my last words, Mike. Final words. Final words. I think for for us Americans, we when it, when it comes to the fentanyl crisis, uh, you ha we have to have patience. But you know, pa people's patience are wearing thin. Uh, we're not going to send in the Marines. Um, Lindsey Graham can talk all he wants. Um, that's just to pacify people for a press conference. It's going to take patience. It's probably going to get worse before it gets better. And even if it does get better, this is an ongoing thing that's going to go for, like I just said a few minutes ago, and the other lady said in the chat, it's it'll go on for another 50 years. Um, so we're pessimists, but we're we're realists. And so patience is a virtue at this point. Well, you know, what they really should do is, A, number one, who should be involved in this is the attorney general should devise a task force and then have high-level meetings with the Mexican government, with himself and members of Congress, and decide on a strategy that's agreed to, a bipartisan, you hear that right. word bipartisan all the time, a bipartisan strategy with the government of the United States and the government of Mexico on how to attack these drug cartels. And again, the Mexican government, they're benefiting from these drug cartels, so they may be totally against it. They're making money right. from it. Right. That's why this is such a difficult situation. And we have to put our foot down, and we have to, if necessary, use our economic and military might to get our way in this situation. Yeah, the, you hit them in the pocketbook because that's ultimately what they want is money. Um, and the only way to, to destroy it in any way, however long it's going to take, is by uh, taking out the one thing that they want more than anything else is the money. Absolutely. Folks, I just want to thank everyone. This is a little bit of a different show than usual. 
But every once in a while, we like to do something, give back, and do something that's a, almost a public service type show and just try to raise awareness. I want to thank everyone that tuned in tonight. Have a great night, everyone. God bless. Police off the cuff, real crime stories. One episode, just ain't enough.